0: Hydrogen is everywhere. Every time you drink a glass of water, you're consuming hydrogen. But it can be used in a lot of other ways too. Hydrogen atoms can be separated from water and turned into gas or liquid. And when powered by renewables, has the potential to become a big, clean export industry for Australia. So is hydrogen the key to our renewable energy future? I'm Jane Ryan, and this is Rewired from Arena, a show exploring the future of energy in Australia. This season, we're looking at the technologies set to change how we create and use power. And in this episode, we're focusing on green hydrogen. Hydrogen gas was first described in 1671 by Robert Boyle, But it wasn't until 1766 that English scientist Henry Cavendish realised hydrogen was a unique element. Hydrogen is a very light gas, making it hard to store, but when cooled, you increase the density, turning it into a liquid. That makes it easier to use and transport. In 1839, Sir William Robert Grove created the first hydrogen fuel cell. In 1898, hydrogen was liquefied and used in a vacuum flask as a way of retaining heat. So given that hydrogen has been used in energy-related applications for almost two centuries, why are we so interested in talking about hydrogen now?
1: This is not the first time that people have talked about using hydrogen, clean hydrogen, as part of our energy supply. But I would put it to you, This time, it's different.
0: This is Australia's Chief Scientist, Dr Alan Finkel. He led the development of Australia's National Hydrogen Strategy.
1: Three reasons. The first is an international imperative to reduce emissions, driven by Kyoto, driven by Paris, driven by the determination of countries to reduce their emissions. The second reason is the plummeting cost of variable renewable electricity. So the cost of solar today is vastly lower than anybody would have predicted at the turn of the century. And it doesn't seem to stop its continuous reduction in price. So we've seen solar electricity on a per megawatt hour basis dropped by more than 80% just since 2010, and wind-generated electricity is on a similar cost reduction curve. So the cost of producing hydrogen has gone from a level of being out of the question too expensive, to being within a factor of four or five of the long-term target that would make hydrogen an economically viable alternative to natural gas in bulk. And the third reason is the tremendous improvements in the technology that will utilize the hydrogen. If you go forward, you'll analyze where hydrogen is used, and you'll see that most of it will be used in fuel cells. Fuel cells are devices that take hydrogen from a tank, oxygen from the air, and combine it to produce electricity that can do useful work. And fuel cells themselves will come down in costs, They're smaller, they're lighter and most importantly, they've got a much longer operating lifetime than they had just 10, 15 or 20 years ago. So everything is converging to make it likely that this time round, hydrogen will have a very viable future.
0: Before we get too deep into the episode, let's clear something up. When people talk about hydrogen, the mind often wanders to the infamous airship, the Hindenburg, which was filled with hydrogen gas. And we all know how that ended. So is hydrogen actually safe?
1: Hydrogen has been used for industrial purposes since 1910, when Fritz Haber was the first scientist to combine nitrogen from the air with hydrogen that he had made to produce ammonia. And ammonia has lots and lots of industrial uses and very much uh, makes the fertilizer that underpinned the agricultural revolution. If you look around the world, the energy value of the hydrogen that is used industrially to make ammonia for petrochemical refining and for plastics manufacture, even explosive manufacture, the hydrogen that is used routinely every year has energy content about two and a half times greater than the energy content of Australia's LNG exports. So it's very substantial. And I'm pleased to note that the safety record of that industry is very, very good. It's not perfect, but it's very good. Certainly on a par with the safety record of the petroleum industry or the natural gas industry and electricity. The reality is that the very nature of a fuel, of any kind of fuel, is that it's going to combust with oxygen to produce heat energy. And, you know, intrinsically, there are safety issues associated with that. But over the years, and we get better every year, we've learned to manage the petrol that we use, we've learned to manage the natural gas that we use, we've learned to manage the electricity that we use, and we already do and we will increasingly well manage the hydrogen that we will use.
0: Hydrogen has a number of potential uses that make it viable for storing energy, which could create entirely new industries for Australia. So first, let's look at how hydrogen could be used domestically. Many cities in Australia have existing gas networks. Liquid natural gas, or LNG, is methane that's been chilled and turned into a liquid. As the liquid warms, it rapidly expands into a gas, which is piped directly into our homes. Most of the time, we don't think about it. We walk into our house, turn on our heating or cook dinner on our gas stovetop, and all of this is powered by LNG. LNG. The issue with LNG is that when you burn it, you produce carbon dioxide, whereas when you burn hydrogen, you get water vapour. These networks are providing an opportunity for LNG operators to lead change in the industry. In particular, existing gas distributors like ATCO are experimenting with mixing hydrogen into their LNG supplies.
2: So the basis of ATCO's R&D project is to do exactly that. It's to understand the safety elements, the safety implications around producing, storing and transporting hydrogen.
0: This is Sam Lee Mohan. Sam heads up innovation at ATCO in Perth.
2: So as part of our trial, we we will aim to understand how hydrogen interacts with our natural gas in our networks and what are those leakage rates and how best we can monitor leakage and understand um, just how to to manage the safety elements of, of hydrogen. Now, you have to also bear in mind that in order for hydrogen to become explosive, you have to have the perfect mix of air, hydrogen and an ignition source. Hydrogen is so dense that as soon as it escapes from a pipeline or from its uh, storage from its storage vessel, within milliseconds it actually escapes to the atmosphere. So in order for it to achieve the perfect mix of air, gas and and an ignition source is actually quite limited. It's actually no more risky than natural gas today.
0: ATCO, with support from ARENA, is developing a hydrogen microgrid on-site at their Jandicot headquarters in Perth. Leveraging renewable solar energy, their plant is trialling using electrolysis to extract hydrogen gas from water. That hydrogen is then captured and mixed into the existing gas supply. ADCO have even built a mock house with gas appliances like stoves, hot water systems and barbecues to see how hydrogen can be blended in with natural gas to power these everyday household appliances.
2: As it stands today, the amount of energy that the gas distribution provides to domestic homeowners here in Western Australia is almost two times the amount provided by the electricity network So what that essentially means is that around about 200 terajoules of energy is provided to to consumers through the electricity network, and through the gas network, we're providing almost 400 terajoules of gas to consumers. So the first point to consider is that there's a significant amount of energy that's being that's being transported to to consumers today. And any sort of all-electrification or a move away from the distribution network is almost a nonsensical sort of investment to to put it bluntly, switching off the gas network and transitioning everyone onto an all-electric type distribution system. The second point is... When you think about the gas network, the gas network is actually sunk investment. It's here. It exists today. You can think of it as a big battery. And in terms of storing hydrogen in the gas network, which will cost around about 10 cents a kilowatt compared to today's battery prices of around about $1,000 a kilowatt, it's almost a 1,000 times cheaper to actually store hydrogen in distribution networks so there's a significant benefit to actually using the infrastructure that's already paid for, that's already in the ground, and it's hydrogen ready. ATCO wants to research and understand how our infrastructure can cope with hydrogen as a, as a future fuel and the important role it's going to play in the future energy mix. By trialing and testing hydrogen, we can demonstrate that hydrogen can be safely produced, it can be safely Stored and it can be safely distributed through using our existing infrastructure.
0: Sam says existing appliances in your home can actually handle a small amount of hydrogen, around 13%, which means that 10% of the network could be safely converted to hydrogen using current technology. Over time, as appliances are upgraded, the hope would be that the entire network could be powered by 100% clean, green hydrogen.
1: The other big use for hydrogen would be in transport. It's probably not going to be a strong player in passenger cars, although I think there is good reason why it should be uh, considered for passenger cars. One is you get very long range, so the current models on offer have about 800 kilometre range from a tank full, and it can fill the tank in about five minutes. So that quick refueling long range is useful. It's also useful for people who want to have a zero emissions vehicle, but do not have their own off-street parking and therefore access to charging an electric vehicle at home. Where hydrogen for transport will excel is what I was mentioning before, and that's for the long distance heavy duty transport. So yes, there are ample opportunities for using hydrogen at home uh, in Australia.
0: As chair of the Hydrogen Working Group, Dr Finkel put together Australia's National Hydrogen Strategy, which was adopted by the Council of Australian Governments. The strategy is about putting Australia in the best position to take advantage of the opportunities in the burgeoning hydrogen industry and has the ambition of turning Australia into an exporter of green hydrogen. That is capturing the energy we create through renewables, storing it as hydrogen and selling it to other countries that are looking to buy clean energy.
1: It provides a framework to effectively remove the barriers that would make it difficult for companies and states to invest in hydrogen, and it looks at the regulatory system, the standards, the legal issues to make sure that we optimise them to facilitate the growth of the industry. It also identifies how governments can work with industry to create domestic hubs, where a hub is a a region where you have a number of users of hydrogen who collectively uh, present an aggregated demand that justifies the scale-up of production. Through scale-up is where you get the reduction in price. The other things that the strategy is seeking to do is to ensure that we have safety standards and national safety regulations that make sure that we are operating a world-class and safe industry. It will seek to work with the government to develop bilateral relationships with other countries because the trade depends on trust between countries to a large extent.
0: The strategy also calls for an origin scheme, so countries that need to buy hydrogen know what they're buying was manufactured in Australia.
1: We think it's very important that every kilogram of hydrogen that is produced wherever it is produced and however it is produced can be traced so that the purchasing country or the purchasing company will know exactly what they're getting so the proposal is for a tracing system that will track three things the country of origin the underlying technology and third How much in kilograms carbon dioxide was emitted during the production of each kilogram of hydrogen?
3: There's a really important new concept to think about around the question of how do we become a 100% renewable electricity nation and that is to say actually the number's bigger than 100%. When we think about the whole world becoming decarbonised, which is what we all need for climate safety everywhere, then every other nation will need decarbonised electricity and energy sources as well.
0: This is the CEO of ClimateWorks, Anna Scarbeck.
3: And Australia is currently an energy exporter in LNG and in coal and other countries buy their energy from us. Those countries will still need energy, even in a world when we've eliminated fossil fuels. And Australia has tremendous potential to supply that energy through the opportunity that renewable hydrogen presents as a replacement for LNG. And that would mean that we would still be an energy exporter and that we would be manufacturing electricity via renewable electricity and the ability to create hydrogen from it and be able to transport that hydrogen to do that we would have vastly larger production of renewable electricity than we need to meet our own needs. So rather than a 100% renewable electricity grid, it could be a 200% or more grid, renewables grid. Now, not all of the renewable electricity that you use for making hydrogen uh, would need to be grid connected and some work is underway now to look at that balance. But the opportunity to connect some of it is there. And so that gives us a whole new way of thinking about how do you manage the, the storage or the backup for the grid for that last part, whether it's 10%, 20 30 Because the last part isn't the last part anymore if, in fact, we've built renewable electricity to supply nations to whom we export as well. So we would then have surplus renewable electricity all the time. And so the need for measuring the last battery storage that you need to the last unit and predicting what's the combination of weather that would require that sort of backup, that need diminishes when in fact we have vastly more large-scale renewable electricity supply because we're trying to meet export contracts to make hydrogen. So if those export contracts are written in such a way that we have the flexibility to use some of the power domestically when we need it, then we have a new form of backup.
0: One of the countries that could become a major purchaser of hydrogen is Germany. The country is moving to divest its energy market from all fossil fuel sources, with nuclear to be phased out by 2022 and coal by 2038. The aim is for the country to run on completely renewable sources by 2050. But given the landscape of Germany, it's inevitable they'll need to buy clean energy from other countries.
4: We are discussing very intensely in Germany right now how much synthetic green hydrogen we will need in the course of energy transition.
0: This is the managing director of the German Energy Agency, Christina Haverkamp.
4: It is a discussion that is a little bit controversial. We will not that is quite clear, be able to produce sufficient green hydrogen in Germany. So we will need to import that hydrogen. And how to organize the uptake and uh, how to make imports affordable is discussed very much. I personally believe, and the Energy Agency believes, that we'll We will be needing about 900 terawatt hours in 2050, which is uh, um, about three times our present electricity consumption, because we can turn hydrogen into Methane, we can turn hydrogen into liquid energy carriers for cars. So it can be used in all our existing appliances. It can be used for heating houses. It can be used for driving cars. It can be used for flying airplanes. And all of this will not require substantive changes in our infrastructure. The alternative would be direct electrification. But that requires huge investments into the infrastructure. We need to refurbish all existing buildings, which is very costly. We will need to give up on our gas infrastructure, which needs to be built back. That costs money. You cannot just leave gas grid in the ground and let it rot. You need to invest to take it out. And, uh, of course, you need new cars, etc. This is why we believe that a strong focus on green hydrogen and products based on green hydrogen will be uh, the cheapest way to really transit into a carbon-free future in Germany.
0: Other countries that could become consumers of hydrogen exports include the UK, the Netherlands, Japan, Korea, and of course, China.
1: There's no doubt that the opportunity for hydrogen export is very, very significant. Whether people like it or not, I would anticipate that the exports of natural gas and coal will probably grow in coming years. Hydrogen exports will grow in parallel with that and provide the country with added revenue and added jobs. And then in the very, very long term, if worldwide demand, as we expect, for fossil fuels goes down, uh, we will be in the box seat to be a significant exporter of hydrogen worldwide. So we'd love to see
5: hydrogen be a core part of Australia's economy, both domestic and export opportunities.
0: This is the CEO of ARENA, Darren Miller.
5: So we in Australia are blessed with huge amounts of sun and wind and lots of land. And these are the ingredients needed for a renewable hydrogen energy industry and hydrogen's viewed as sort of a fuel of the future to really fill in that last missing piece of what's needed to make the world an entirely renewable energy uh, economy you know working off off renewable energy hydrogen sort of that is viewed as that missing ingredient it's got a long way to go before it's commercial but we've got all
6: the right ingredients in australia to be a leader in that space So the conversion of the existing domestic manufacturing industry from non-renewable feedstocks to renewable feedstocks is a critical part of that industry transformation, as well as the development in parallel, most likely, with a sustainable export industry.
0: This is Darren Jarvis, the Vice President of Strategic Project Development at Incitec Pivot.
6: It's really interesting to talk about how you can develop an export industry Because typically, and our experience in Australia, in other industries such as LNG, export industries are what get created after you have a successful domestic industry. So your success in producing, as an example, green hydrogen domestically will translate into success in being able to export that to countries such as Japan and South Korea. So we believe, Incitec Pivot certainly believes, that a capable and strong demonstration of domestic industrial capacity is a prerequisite to the development of an export industry.
0: Incitec Pivot is a global producer of ammonia, which is used to make fertiliser and explosives. Ammonia, or NH3, is created through the fusing of both nitrogen and hydrogen atoms. This means having a ready source of hydrogen is critical to the company's production pipeline. ARENA has supported Dino Nobel, Intertech Pivot's explosive business, with almost a million dollars in funding. Dino Nobel is undertaking a feasibility study on switching their Murrumbah Ammonia facility in North Queensland, which uses hydrogen made from natural gas to green hydrogen made using solar power.
6: The Murrumbah Green Ammonia Project is about building an industrial-scale renewable hydrogen facility as a feedstock for domestic ammonia production. Through our feasibility study, jointly funded by ARENA, we hope to demonstrate that zero carbon hydrogen can be produced at a cost that's practical for use as an industrial feedstock. Our proposed technology is using solar photovoltaic uh, to supply electricity behind the meter to a dedicated water electrolysis plant. The hydrogen produced will be stored as a compressed gas and supplied continuously to an ammonia plant at our existing facility in Murrumbah. So the connection between this project and the development of the industry in Australia is really important. The state and federal governments have laid out a really ambitious plan to be a global exporter of renewable hydrogen. And to achieve that, you need massive scale, gigawatts, tens of gigawatts of capacity of electrolysis. And you can't get from where we are to an export scale in one step. There's a requirement, there's a need for industry scale projects such as ours to demonstrate to investors, constructors, owners, the cost of operation, the cost of construction, the technicalities in making, getting the projects up and permitting and approval processes, et cetera. All that's necessary to be done at an industrial scale before you can move to an export concept.
0: Although the project is still in the feasibility stage, Inzitec pivots say moving their ammonia production across to green hydrogen is essential for the future of their business, especially as they look to reduce emissions.
6: The development of renewable hydrogen as an alternative economic supply of feedstock for ammonia manufacturing is absolutely the future of chemical manufacturing globally, not just in Australia. IPL are committed to reducing our emission intensity from the manufacturing of our products and renewable hydrogen is one of the very few ways to achieve that outcome, so it's absolutely part of our long-term strategy to improve and ensure the feasibility of this type of project.
0: So green hydrogen has great potential for our renewable energy future, but what are the obstacles we have to overcome in order to make it viable? Here's Darren Miller from ARENA.
5: Two key barriers right now. One is the cost of producing hydrogen. It's not done at scale, so we don't really even have good data on what it costs to produce renewable hydrogen. We think it's in the order of ultimately 6 to $8 per kilogram of hydrogen. To be competitive, we need to get it to about $2. So we need to cut the costs by two thirds. And we think that'll happen over a period of five to 10 years, depending on how fast things go. And, and how fast global um, economies would like to transition and start importing hydrogen. The second thing is the ability to store and transport it. It's a very difficult uh, product to store and to transport because it's so light. So you've got to compress it down to get density. Compressing it down takes energy. There's no big ships and, and, uh, and containers that, that transport hydrogen long distances. And so that's a key thing that needs to happen, and we need innovation and sort of cost and, and scale economies to occur. So really, cost of production, cost of storage and handling are the two things that need to improve in order for hydrogen to become a reality.
0: Given hydrogen's capabilities for both industrial and domestic applications, and the ability to store renewable energy as hydrogen, will hydrogen really replace some of our existing energy infrastructure?
5: So hydrogen could get to that stage of sort of trumping other technologies because with very cheap and abundant renewable energy, and if you get the cost down of the electrolysers, which is the equipment to produce that that hydrogen, then it becomes sort of a game changer in its own right, leveraging off these other technologies that have come before it. It doesn't just go down one particular vertical stream or for one end use, it's got flexibility and it's got flexibility right across the domestic economy and and as a globally traded commodity. So it's got that opportunity to really be a game changer for Australia and the, and the globe.
0: In the next episode of Rewired, we look at a crucial component of our renewable future – energy storage. When the sun isn't shining or the wind isn't blowing, how do we ensure we have enough energy reserves?
6: Batteries are unlike
1: anything else that's on the system at the moment. They're multifunctional. They can respond in milliseconds.
0: Rewired is brought to you by ARENA, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency – we work to support Australia's energy transition. Since 2012, we've provided $1.4 billion in grant funding to more than 500 projects. And you can find out more about our hydrogen projects at our website, arena.gov.au.